Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. And today we are here with Christina, which I'm going to butcher your last name, Vitagliano. Is that right? You did pretty good. Vitaliano, the G is silent, but that's oh, really close. Vitaliano, man. Yes. Such a redneck sometimes. So okay. we're here with Christina. I'm really excited to have her here because she's the founder of Monster Mini Golf. And so for some of you, you're like, what the heck? Why, why are we doing something over mini golf? Right. I was so intrigued by this lady's story. That she's grown her company, you know, from 20 years, she's been growing it up to over 30 franchise locations. It's built a really awesome just community around mini golf is what I love. And I, and I love to hear these kind of uh, underdog stories where they, they really succeed really when they shouldn't have, but it, it ended up working out. So I, I love to hear, um, hear these stories. So Christina, would you be willing to say what's up to everybody and then we'll hop in? Hi guys. How are you? <laughs> Good Happy to be here. <laughs> Happy to have you here. So Christina, I want to ask you just to kind of kick this off. Give us the reason why for mini golf, because it's kind of a random niche, uh, right? And a lot of people look at certain products and like, I mean, is this your passion or like what, what actually brought you into the mini golf world? No, I mean, not that I don't like mini golf. I, I like mini golf, but it, no, it's not because it was my passion. And people always ask that. They must say, oh, you must be a, a great mini golf player. I'm like, holy cow, no. Um, no, it was all, it was a business model. So when I was sitting there by myself with no money, wondering how I was going to make money, I thought, um, well, here are the three things I want to do. I want to have little to no overhead. I want to have to be able to make money with as little amount of employees as I possibly can. I want to be able to control my concept and I want to make it fun and affordable for the average family. So when I put all of those together, the only thing that came up was mini golf in my head anyway. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, at the time I lived in new England and if you live in new England and you put that equation together and you get mini golf, uh, your answer is you can only work for about 90 days a year because you're outdoors right. and that didn't work either. So I thought to myself, well, I have to work all year round. Um, if I want to make a living and eat and things like that. So I brought it indoors. Um, and my background of marketing and, uh, nightclub and restaurant management, retail management is how all of this kind of came together into what is now monster mini golf and it's indoors and it's black light and it's music and it's fun for all ages. And, and at the end of the day, um, we sell fun. And at the end of the day, we don't replace any products. We vacuum and we close our doors and we open the next day. Right. Which so it's, it's as simple as that. Yeah. But, and what a cool, um, it's cool to see your thought process through that. Most people don't walk us through that. They're like, oh yeah, I just, I chose this product. And you're like, okay, but there has to be some logic behind why you chose it because no, there was. And, yeah. and I love that, that the way your thought process worked through that, you know, is like you started lifestyle first. Like this is, this is how I want mm -hmm. my lifestyle to look. This is how I want a business to look. And then what business model fits around that. That's, I feel like everybody else does it the wrong way. Like, oh, I have this product I'm all excited about. And then they're like, 
oh, apparently when you're an agency, you have to work a lot, you know, <laughs> they don't think about these. Yeah, things. well, that's only because I did a lot of things wrong before. So it wasn't, I, <laughs> I made many, many mistakes prior to that. Um, and that's from, you know, I, I started this business when I was 40 years old. So, and I've been working since I was 14. Wow. So, you, you know, there's a lot of experience that you've, um, you know, I worked for other people um, for most of that time. And that's priceless. I've learned yeah. so much from so many bosses along the years. Um, I thank them for who I am today. So, yeah, lots I to be said for that. that. You know, it's yeah. funny about that. Um, I can't remember uh, Ma, Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba. He, he, he was talking to some like millennial types and he was, he was like, stop trying to go so fast. He's like, your 20s are for learning. He's like, do that while working yeah. for somebody else. He's like, your 30s are for experimenting and your 40s are for when the wealth comes. Absolutely. And I love that because it's like, if I were to go back and do it again, I would find another company, you know, somebody who's kind of starting off, but they were already pretty successful. And I'd work my way in as the number two, where I had a guaranteed yeah. salary, but right. I could still play yep. around with the money and figure things out. That's how I would do it. Because mm -hmm. it saves you all that time and extra money and everything, but you're learning and getting paid along the way. And then when you step out, it's so easy to just poof, take off because you've got the experience, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Learn so from other my... people's mistakes. Yeah. 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 Well, and for you with, with entering the mini golf realm, right? There's, how do I put this? The entertainment industry as a whole is a very hard industry to enter because a, I mean, it's low ticket offers, right? So very, very low ticket sales. Um, you're, you're really having to focus on high volume and it probably comes with a plethora of other challenges. I don't even know because I'm not in the industry, but, but walk us through what, what were kind of some of those initial hurdles of getting the first store open and working? Um, well, it, the difference is, and before I start this, cause I don't want to bore you to death or, or take too much. How much time do we have? We have about 20 minutes. That's how we, how long we record for Got it. Okay. All right. So um, when I first started, I had no intention of building a franchise. All I wanted to do was raise $5,000 to edit a book that I had written about 20 years ago. So I went into this completely blind. Um, so the, the pressure wasn't there. Right. Um, but I always want to make money and I always want to make as much money as I possibly can because, you know, business is business. Yeah. Um, and I want to have fun doing it. I, I, yeah. and I, but I do like to work. So, um, I think that I don't, I love the entertainment business. It's not about the low ticket dollar. And to this day, one of my biggest things when we started, and even to this day, 20 years later, is that Monster Mini Golf costs less than the movies. Because that means that when people say, who, who are you marketing to? We're marketing to every family, every teenager, anybody out there who is the average person that wants to go out and have a decent time and can afford it. Mm -hmm. So mini golf to this day is very affordable. Um, so pretty much anybody can walk in our doors and have a good time. That makes it, that's a big difference compared to Disneyland, which I love, but big ticket, big ticket dollar. But at the end of the day, we don't have to replace, we have no cost of goods. Right. So, so what you're saying, it depends. If, if you have a $10 item and it costs $0 to replace it or six cents to replace it, if it's a scorecard, which actually we've replaced with a digital app now, um, that makes a big difference compared to, you know, a $30 item that costs you, you know, $15 to replace and then everything else. So it's all relative. You just got to yeah. know what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Oh, and, and taking those risks and saying, Hey, I, cause I liked how you just kind of threw that in there, but 
switching from paper to app, you know, and in a case like yours where you have 30 franchises, it's so feasible to say, okay, well, we're spending $20,000 or that's probably way exaggeration, maybe like $2,000 oh, a year yeah. on these scorecards. Why don't we just spend a thousand dollars to build an app? That's a very basic app that replaces that. And then we've all of a sudden got an extra $2,000 a year opened up to us. Sure. Like, yeah. The math always is just a- exciting to me. <laughs> That's a huge thing I think about franchising compared to owning a single unit or what we call mom and pop business is that that's the value in franchising. If you communicate with your franchisees and then, and you teach your franchisees to communicate with each other is that that's what happens. That's the evolution of a franchise is you're all talking to each other and everybody's expertise is very, very different. And you put, you know, a bunch of heads together. There's good and bad in that because you can spend seven hours talking about the color of an orange golf ball and why it should be green. But you also learn that you it might not might be time to go from an app you know to an app from from paper too so all good well and, and so walk us through this because you know this is something that I was so curious about when I was looking at your story is at what point did you realize that this was a franchisable opportunity i mean you're like because a lot of people look at their business like oh this could totally be a franchise but just because you have one working business doesn't mean it's going to translate right. well into a duplicatable model that's a good question. I again, because I had no, I had no plan. Um, it was based on a fear and threat. So really? <laughs> one day, yep, in our first three months, we opened in a Memorial Day weekend of 2004. And on August, it was a rainy day in August. I'll be as fast as I can. Rainy day in August, it was my friend and myself working at a monster in our first location, and it was packed. And we were in Northeast Connecticut, a tiny little town, middle of nowhere. And people from Providence were coming in. And the Providence Journal had just done a big article on us and this really cool indoor blacklight place and blah, blah, blah. And I looked up in the crowd and there were parents with their children all in the crowd. And, um, and I could hear the parents talking to each other. And I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm going to be very honest, it was mostly the 40 plus year old men looking at their wives and saying, this place is a gold mine. This place is a gold mine. And I got scared. Right. Because I thought somebody is going to steal my idea. Right. So I got to the end of the day and I said to my husband, we have to do something. We either need to open another location or I need to franchise it. He says, what do you know about franchising? I said, nothing. But I know Dunkin Donuts, McDonald's did it. That was it. Um, and back then in 2004 in web world, that's a long, long time ago. So I got online and I, I laugh now because most people your age probably wouldn't even know what this is. I altivisted it. And I said, how do you franchise your business? And that was how I started. Um, and I learned and I, I came up with, there was a company that would teach you how to franchise your business, but you are a hundred percent right. Um, is that just because you want to franchise doesn't mean you can franchise because you have to have a certain profit margin because you're sharing that. And those franchisees have to be able to make a certain amount of money because part of it's going to you. And then they have to be able to sustain their own lifestyles. So you go through a lot of things. Um, we're regulated by the FTC. I mean, it, it, a million, million, million things. And I don't care who you are, what background you came from. You, no matter what business you have, you've never been a franchisor. So those first three to five years, you are learning, and it just does not matter. You're going to make mistakes, and you're you're developing a franchise business. So there's a big learning curve there, and you develop who you. What type of franchisor you want to be during that time? You know, right. we're 20 years in, and I think the first 10 years, 
you, you, you know, you learn who you are, you learn who you want to become. And I think at 20 years in, we going into that pandemic, if we weren't the age we were, made all the difference in the world. We came out of it. We are so fortunate to be who we are coming out of it in the position that we're in. Um, we're up. We're up significantly this year. Um, a lot of our competitors didn't survive. Um, it's because of our age. It's because of the franchise that we became together. Uh, we're very fortunate. Yeah, no joke. And and that's so that's so cool though because you know that that journey isn't an easy one. But like you said, it's Ooh. all about taking those um, those those risks. You say you know you mentioned it out of it was out of fear, but like that seems yeah. to be what most people make these decisions out of and. Luckily for you, it ended up working out for you. But what I what I love about your story, more so than a lot of other stories, is that you you weren't obviously everybody's in it for the money. The math is exciting of, of yeah. business, right? When when one plus one can equal five, it's it's fun, right? But what's interesting about your story is right, I didn't have any what I would call like emotional risk tied to it, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? I just need to make five thousand dollars, right? That's Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and that's just funny to you now, I'm sure, because you're like, hey, I'm probably making significantly more than that. Never yeah. in a million years would I realize this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and looking back and saying, wow, like how important five thousand dollars was to me, I think it's just yeah. so fun, fun to watch that that uh, transition. Um, yeah. So so let's talk through the the community aspect of this because finding franchisees is another big thing because you're partnering with people. Mm-hmm. What people don't realize about franchising is. You know, if you if you franchise with McDonald's, for example, you're just another number. But smaller franchises like yours, you know, where you are up and coming, I mean, mm-hmm. if you hop in on a franchise like this this early on, mm-hmm. um, you know, when when there's 30 stores or what have you, you really are are partnering directly with the franchise owner. No, you're not partnering. You're marrying. Marrying, yeah. <laughs> worse. Yeah, worse. It's worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Selling your soul might be another. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, you absolutely are, and, and it, there is no lightness to any of it. It is it is intense, um, and that's why I said those first you know three, five, ten years um, are a learning curve because what you think is a good franchisee for your concept, you learn very quickly um, might not be for a lot of reasons, you know, and and good and bad. You know, it's not anybody's fault. It's just that learning is learning, and you're learning. You're learning human emotions. You're learning, uh, you know, personalities and and how to figure these people out, and um, and good and bad. I mean, it's not that the people were bad, or, or it's just that sometimes that's not the right fit, and it takes a long time to figure out this is what works for my concept or our concept. It might not work for somebody else's, but um, how do I make this the most successful thing for everyone, not just me? There's a lot of franchises out there where it's about the franchisor and their bottom line and how do they make as much money as possible. And it just is, because I'm going to be honest right. um, with us. It, it's a little different. Patrick and myself are the, you know, we're husband and wife. We still are the only people that own it. Um, and with 30 franchises after 20 years, you know, all your franchisees, they know how to find you. So right. <laughs> you're not in a corporate sleep. building. <laughs> they know exactly how to find you. Um, so we talk to each other, you know, yeah. but but it's a, you know it's different. Well, and, and I want to I want to just kind of transition the conversation a little bit here. I wasn't actually hugely planning on, on discussing this too much, but you, you wrote a book, and yeah. recently, and where did that come from? Like, what sparked the book? Because it sounded like you were trying to do this twenty years ago as well, and now you're doing another one. So, so why no, this is that? the same book. 
Oh, same book. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote the book 20 years ago and then realized I had zero dollars back then and realized it cost five thousand dollars really to edit the book. It's a really short version. Um, and then opened Monster Mini Golf and wow, it consumed my life. And then the pandemic hit and I finally sat down and said, I and years, you know, 20 years have, have gone by and you grow and you learn. So I sat back down during the pandemic. I, I spent some time editing. Self-publishing is a whole new world. Didn't exist 20 years ago. Right. Um, and I published a book. So um, so somehow that's how I ended up with you. I know. <laughs> it's like, you know um, but, you you know, again, you're educated uh, over 20 years. And, and the, you know, the book has come out now. So um, still Monster Mini Golf consumes my world. So I haven't had even much time to really... Um, you know, promote the book as much as I've wanted to, but because uh, Monster is my life right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I did get to publish it finally, so that's great. Well, it's fun fun to do those things. Even I don't know. I, I think sometimes it's not even about you know how much exposure you get to the to the book or have you. It's it's about I did something I've always wanted to do. You know, and maybe one day it becomes this huge book. You never know. <laughs> sometimes they just hit. Well, yeah, it's a it's the book is a memoir. It was about my life before then, so it's called Every Nine Minutes. Um, and it ended, you know, it ended in 1995, which is right. You know, Monster was created in 2004. So 20, you know, 20 years later, a lot of different things have happened. But um, the book is a very sensitive subject. And, at, at, you know, at 50 plus years old, you can talk more about things like that um, with younger people. And it, it's important. So my goal is to do some public speaking and things like that. It's a big difference. I love that. You should start a podcast. Totally worth it. Yeah, uh, spare time. <laughs> well, all that extra time you have. I know, uh, I know. Great way to end the speaking realm. Um, cool. Well, you know, we're coming up to the end of the interview here. So first off, can you let us know where to find your book? Absolutely. You can find my book on Amazon, obviously, uh, at every nine minutes. You can search it anywhere. But I have my own website. It's 123christinav.com. Um, I'm on all the social media platforms. Same thing, 123christinav. And if you want to come to Monster Mini Golf, it's monsterminigolf.com. And we are all over the place and we are just fun for all. So the big question here, though, Christine, is like, is there one in Idaho? There's not one in Idaho. Man, my closest one's probably like Vegas, right? So you guys have a huge one in Vegas. You are. The closest one is Vegas. Yeah, because we're not too far. Actually, honestly, Idaho is not too far from Las Vegas. We have friends in Idaho. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, we are. We're actually just um, we just signed for Seattle. So we're going to be building one up in Seattle soon. So we're excited about that. Um, Or maybe uh, Denver, Colorado probably isn't too far either. Yeah. Las Vegas is about the same distance. We'll have to get you on here in Idaho. Yeah, the one uh, the one in Las Vegas is with the rock group Kiss or Twilight Zone. So those are a little different. Those are a little off the wall. Yeah, <laughs> but those are cool. Those are really cool ones. Yeah. So make sure you go check out Christina V. It's one, two, three, Christina V. Love that. Kind of a play on Gary V. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, because your last name, I mean, hard to it's pronounce. Hard to spell. <laughs> <laughs> um, lucky for me, my name is four letters. So it makes it very easy. Um, okay. So I want to ask you, could you give us one final parting piece of guidance for our audience? Yeah. Be strong, be humble, take chances. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan podcast. If you've learned anything from this or any other episode, make sure you rate it and share it with another entrepreneur it could help. Thanks again, and I'll catch you on the flip side.